I was on a podcast and not this one, but one that actually matters. And somebody asked, you know, what we look for in a developer. Welcome to PHP Ugly episode 95. I'm John Congdon. With me as always is Eric Van Johnson. Hey, Eric. Hello. And, hey. and Tom Rideout. What's going on, guys? Hey, how's it going? Good. Woo. Another episode. Hey, John. Two weeks since we've recorded last. Seems like forever ago. Yeah. Hey, Tom. Yes, we took the break. Hey, John. What? How's your butt? <laughs> we're gonna go right right uh, for that huh i i don't think you could bring it up without me not bringing it up i could try so you could have just said i had a doctor's appointment and left it at that i did i could have but you were specific well granted it's not no shave november but men's health is still very important so the reason we did not record last week, Eric was back in Arizona with horrible internet access, and I had a, a colonoscopy, which is probably TMI for most people, but it's important. And I have to have it early in my life because my mom had colon cancer some 20 years ago or whatever, and she's fine. She made it through it, but doctors are always harping on me. You have to go have one. So I had one probably 10 to 15 years ago, and they still keep tell me you have to have one every five years so finally i'm getting back in there and, and getting that going the funny thing is you uh you tom today in slack was we're trying to get my attention and trying to figure out if i was going to make it tonight and <laughs> made a comment about it like if i <laughs> that, oh, i meant to have it up and ready to go for this because i thought anything it was anything new up your butt this week right so i took a <laughs> screenshot of that and shared that with somebody else like this is my friends in quote. <laughs> We're friends? My friends in quote. Hey. <laughs> Come on, you asked me if I had anything new up my butt. <laughs> yeah. Who could, who would ask that besides a friend? It was funny. So anyway, <laughs> it, it's no big deal. Go get checked. It, it, I had a completely different experience this time than last time. The The preparation sucks. Last time I swear I remember waking up in the middle and seeing the monitor and thinking it was the coolest thing ever. This time I went in there and they told me they started the drip, told me to roll onto my side, and then I would all I remember is waking up. It was so nice. Nice and easy. And then after the dentist he went to the doctor for the colonoscopy. <laughs> what are you talking about? So so weirdo. Here, here's a good reason why John and I can't be in any sort of relationship that we share a living arrangement. John had one of the best ideas in the world, and because he actually lives with a sane and sensible woman, she uh, she talked him out of it. But I would have totally dove in there and had done exactly what he suggested. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder to write on my on my ass cheeks before going. Like, remember, Doc, you chose this profession. Be gentle. <laughs> I mean, how awesome would that have been? But she didn't do it. I would have gone with. I would have gone with. Do not amputate. But I mean, that's that doesn't really work. Yeah, I could use some weight off my butt cheeks, though. 
All right, can we move on? Maybe talk PHP, not. You don't want to keep talking about your ass, John? Well, I have to. I have to talk about my new hobby. What's your new hobby? Because I've. I feel like I've gone completely insane. Are we done with John being the butt of the joke? (laughs) We were. Now we are again. Full circle, though. Oh, God. What? Thomas, move on. I was playing a video game recently called Subnautica, and a lot of the game is... It's a survival game. A lot of the game is resource management and gathering stuff and just sort of keeping things running and clean. And um, and I beat that game and didn't have anything else that was sort of the, along the same lines. Uh, so I've been cleaning the house like an insane person for the last week. And my new hobby is just cleaning the house. That is a weird hobby to have. It's really weird, especially for me, if you've ever met me. That's Why is there a mess on the desk behind you then? Uh, that's all my wife's stuff that I don't touch. And it's not a mess. She would be very upset to hear that. Well, I can see like one tiny little corner and I see stuff up there. So to me, that... Anyway, go ahead. I can still... I can see your office behind you. I never said my office... I was on a... Like cleaning my office kick. Although it is way cleaner now than it was last time we talked. There was... There's another... There's another side to it too is that one day I was... um, well, I have to preface this. When I got married, my wife had three seven-year-olds, or two seven-year-olds and an eight-year-old. And for the longest time, she's been a stay-at-home mom. So she's just done the cleaning, and it's just been done. Um, but recently, she started working, and I looked around the house the other day while uh, drinking and watching TV and etc., and thought to myself... Why is the house so dirty? Why isn't she cleaning it up? And then I realized that she has a job now, and it's a shared responsibility to keep things clean. And I hadn't done that for the entire time that she was working. I, I was I was about to say, you realize that that's not a new revelation, right? That's always been the case. You just chose not to do your part. Yeah, yeah. No, I realized that <laughs> the next day when I had sobered up a little and realized how stupid a sentiment that was. That I had to. No, wait. I did you to, uh, did you say to her, "Hey, why isn't the house clean while you were drunk?" And then sobered up the next day. No, no, I am still alive. Actually, um, <laughs> I, I I told I recounted this story to her after having scrubbed the entire house down from top to bottom, so that it was more of a funny ha ha story and less of an "I'm going to kill you" story. That's probably a smart move, right there. Every once in a while. Eric, what have you been up to? Mm, not a lot. Doing He's some coding on Greenfield app. Turned into a car. What? Yeah, you made a bunch of car sounds. Oh. Never no. mind. <laughs> Just ignore me. Keep going. Greenfield app. How's it going? Yeah, Note it's, to it's self, going, hire going a real well, comedian for the show. But, uh, yeah, ended up having to go back out to Arizona. I mean, I, I knew I was heading back out to Arizona about the week before, so it was no no surprise. But when went back out there, things are kind of keeping keeping on pace out there. Um, yeah, not a whole lot going on. I think uh, one, one of the bigger th- news things I have. So 
call for papers for wave php is insane uh, exciting I even begin to insane yeah i can't so, even begin how... to express to you guys how thrilled i am with how the people who are contributing the talks that are being contributed uh i was really stressed that we we're going to have enough enough speakers for the conference itself and i'm no longer stressed about that and i i already know that there's a good I, I know of three or four speakers who I've spoken to over over Twitter with or through Telegram or something that say, hey, I, you know, I haven't submitted my paper yet. I'm, I'm going to submit. I'm going to submit. And, and these are people that, that, you know, I've, you know, I've been following. I've had on a list that I've wanted to reach out to them and ask them to submit. So, you know, it's like to hear that that we're still on their radar and they're still looking to submit Man, it's just so, so refreshing to see. I mean, not refreshing, just so relieving. <laughs> I guess take I'm relieved some of that, to take see some of that weight off. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, you know, we, we do have some challenges ahead of us. There's a lot of talks coming from outside the U.S. borders. And there's some coming... Some of the speakers are, are very notable speakers in the community. So I'm like, man, I really, really want to get this person here. So how we're going to handle that, you know, John and I haven't really talked through. But I'm hoping that, you know, if we have some sort of travel allowance, maybe we, maybe we can't cover the whole travel to San Diego from whatever European or, or you know, Middle East country they're coming from. Um you know, hopefully, just giving them a travel allowance will be enough to entice them to come out here. Uh, because I really, I mean, there's just so many good talks, so many good presenters. I'm like, there's, I want so, I just, I just want to take like one talk from everybody that's uh, submitted so far yeah. because I'm so thrilled. We, we have, our schedule's not in stone yet, but we're thinking 22 sessions plus two to four like training sessions. So let's say 26 total. And we have over 100 submissions so far, which is amazing. Wow. Yeah. I haven't even given my submission yet. Well, please do. Yeah, they, Make our job like, difficult, please. Like I, like, like I said, yeah, there's a few people like that. And I'm just uh, I'm just thrilled. I'm really thrilled. So, But to prepare for this, uh, I, you know, I, I, am, I am a learner by doer. Uh, you know, I, I learn things a lot better by doing it. And so I was telling John, I'm like, um, I, I thought about it too late, but it, I'm like, man, Sunshine PHP, I said, we should have, we should have offered to go out there, you know, buy a ticket, not, not ask for a free ride or anything, but, you know, buy a ticket, go out there, if they would allow us to work it with them so that we could get some insight on how, you know, how to handle the conference, um, we did, we did take some time and speak to the organizer, organizer of uh, Sunshine, uh, Adam Culp. He was fantastic. He was such a huge help to us. Um, we bent his ear for a long time. He, he was very patient with us and, and talked to us. But I had come up with the idea too late. Um, but John was like, yeah, that was actually a really good idea. We should have done that. So I kind of looked looked on the schedule. I'm like, all right, what's the next uh, what's the next community conference that's coming up? And it was, you know, the the one that like stood out to me was a Longhorn one, the the one in Texas. So I reached out to their organizers and said, hey, you know, 
if I come out to Texas, can I work the conference with you? Because I'd really, I'm really hoping that you know I make mistakes and screw up your conference before I do money. <laughs> so they they seemed on board with you know most of that plan, and uh, and so it's, you know so as a result, John and I are gonna we're gonna make our travel arrangements probably tomorrow, but we're gonna head out to uh, Lone Star and uh, help those guys out with that conference, which th- this is their first year. Uh, be- previously, it had been up. I think up in Dallas or something at Longhorn was the was the Texas Community PHP conference. So uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to be going out there. I'm excited to go to Austin. Um, I'm excited to to try to sabotage their uh, their conference so nobody ever wants to go back to it and uh, you know make Blade <laughs> PHP a better conference as uh, as a result. Of course, he kids. We want to make them all great. Yes. Of course, I kid. I joke. I joke. I joke. I kid. I kid. <laughs> all right. Um. So yeah, that's. I don't know. That's pretty much all. Uh, we haven't had a show since the whole SpaceX thing, have we? I don't think so. All right. How crazy, crazy cool is Elon Musk? Is one bad experience from being a supervillain. This guy has got all the tools that he needs to be like a comic book supervillain. And he's just there. He's one bad experience from that. What I'm, ups- I'm telling you yeah. guys right now. What I'm upset about is I didn't see any messages about it until after it happened. That day I was, I don't know what was going on, but deep into work. And then later on I was sitting, I think I was sitting here at, like nine or ten o'clock at night, and I saw somebody posted in Slack the video. I'm like, oh crap! So then I went and sat and watched watched it, and oh my god, that was amazing. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It, well, it, it just blows me away. I, I want to be clear here that the Simpsons did have an Elon Musk type character uh, a long time ago called uh, Hank Scorpio. Who built his okay. own paradise? Built his own paradise uh, town where all of his engineers lived, and worked out of a volcano and built rockets. And uh, one of his one of his defining attributes was his handheld flamethrower. I'm telling you, watch for when Elon Musk buys an island with a volcano on it. Then we know he's going complete villain on us. Well, I 100 percent guarantee you, he already island. has an island. I mean, that's Doesn't that's have a, a given. volcano though. I mean, well, islands are formed by volcanoes, so I would go even further and say, yes, he has a, an island volcano. Well, then he may actually be a supervillain. You guys are a little crazy. Have I said that before? Uh, November 23rd, 2016, Elon Musk's nearly 100% solar island is a test run for the U.S. Oh, yeah, and don't forget that he's rebuilding Puerto Rico's power grid. And he... Yeah, so- Somebody needs to. He upgraded uh, Australia's power grid in 100 days, or sorry, under 100 days. Yeah, hey, he's a he's a cool cat. I mean, he's, no, but he is know. he's cool, but he is a villain. Like, if a if a super villain were to be a real life thing and not just a comic book thing, he is a super villain. He's just how, he's, how much beam away from how him. much interaction do you think he has with the whole SpaceX program though? Because you gotta think there's what six plus thousand people working there. Whose idea was it really to put 
the roadster into space was it his or did someone else the roadster absolutely you think oh yeah there's there's no such thing like stroking a billionaire's ego by launching his custom made fastest production car ever into space on his world's largest rocket ever produced and then landing the components that launched it back down on the ground vertically. I agree, but still, do you I think mean, do you think he has yeah, that he... much involvement in the the whole program where he was like, "Hey, let's do this," or did they come up with the idea and he signed off on it? I think he's right. an executive producer. So he didn't really do so anything. So it's it's, it, it's impossible to tell where his influence ends and someone else starts because he's the one who gets credit. He's the Dick Wolf of the space industry. There's so many smart people on that. Ah. Amazing job. And you know career. what they use? You know, you know what they use to launch their systems? Linux. Of course. I did not know that. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah. They're running uh, Linux kernels on all their stuff. I think you'd almost have right. to. Was PHP involved with any of that? Of course. Ran everything. The interface where they sure. where they hit the button to launch. That was a that was a PHP they script. Just, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little view view front into it that that yeah made the button. Yeah, <laughs> one of those one of those Ajax wait timers that just spins for a little bit. Right. Yeah. It, this is all verified news too. <laughs> absolutely, as Thomas would say, absolutely. I can guarantee it. Hundred percent. Saw it 100%. myself. Did you? But did you see? Did you guys see the video of the two rockets? landing simultaneously of course oh i have it as a desktop now that it is gorgeous it is unbelievable and i know i've said this before on the on the podcast but it's still it's still crazy to me that up until 1970 when we envisioned rocket ships landing on a, another planet they landed vertically buck rogers style right mm-hmm. and then the shuttle program came around and everyone's thinking Oh yeah, that's incredibly impractical. That's no, there's no way we would land a rocket like that vertically. That's just dumb. And then the shuttle program expires. We stop going to space. Elon Musk comes along, and he starts landing rockets vertically, like in a like in a Bugs Bunny cartoon. And everyone's and, just and, like, oh yeah, that's how you land rockets now. Don't don't you remember we the sci-fi books here, all have it on the here cover. Here I am. I can't even resolve time zone issues in my code, and this freaking guy is landing rockets. You know how pissed off that makes me feel. Yeah, well, just wait till we've got people on Mars. Now you've got another time zone issue on your hands there. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. That's not that far away, uh, Thomas. Sorry. Yeah, but it's a different Thomas. planet. <laughs> what? <laughs> I swear what? to God, I'm cursed. I'm cursed. I swear to God, I'm cursed. It's <laughs> what just, I do? It's just my life. You need better internet, for sure. Me? <laughs> no, Eric. I've got the best internet here. Yeah. What are you talking about? He's, he has us all beat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's the problem. I'm I'm so far ahead of you guys. It's, uh, it's I don't know. It's trying hey, to buffer uh, three seconds in the future. That's how far ahead of us he is. <laughs> Thomas, how's your Mongo uh, experience going? Your Mongo DB. I'm curious about this. It's fascinating. Um, from my research, I came to the conclusion that a an implemented MySQL schema is not worse than an, an, an implemented MongoDB schema. So if you have the schema up and running, 
then it's essentially not worth the time to start refactoring and getting everything into a different format. Um, there are a lot of pros and cons on both sides of the fence, uh, no SQL versus SQL, but the end result is, as, as with most things PHP, whatever ends up working for you is the best choice. Um, and I was reading an article about SQL versus no SQL and what the big advantages and disadvantages were, and one of the arguments that gets shot down pretty quickly is it's faster or it's better for big amounts of data. And the, the answer to that is no, you're not using that much data. You don't have 10 billion records. You're not doing Google level transaction rates. So shut up about it. Now, given that, I really like the schema for MongoDB. I really, really like it. When you say schema for MongoDB, what do you mean? Because it's, it's supposed to be schemaless. <laughs> It's not schema. No, no, it's not schemaless. It's just not a normalized database in the same way that that SQL is. But there there definitely are schema objects and there are implementations that resemble schemas for the normal MySQL, no, you know, MySQL or Postgres user. So um but one of the interesting things I read is that if you're using an abstraction layer such as uh, what we use in Laravel, um, boy, wow, brain fart. Uh, eloquent? Eloquent. Yeah, eloquent. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to bounce between muting and, and sneezing here. Sorry about that. <laughs> you're managing quite well, actually. <laughs> um, in eloquent, we've got has many, belongs to many, many to many relationships. And in. SQL, those relationships are undefined. Now, you have a pivot table for many-to-many, -many, and you have a relationship table for one-to-many. But it's not key, a... Right, right yeah, you have these foreign, foreign key table. translation tables. Um, in MongoDB, you not have... Tables. Yeah, in MongoDB, you have embedded data, which is a has-many, so... A person can have many phone numbers, but can't, uh, a phone number can't have many people. Right. And that would be data that, that uses embedded elements, so you're just extending the record further, um, right. vers versus uh, references. A reference is a many-to-many -many relationship where you're pointing at the ID of another object, and you have to fetch that object from a different uh, query. Mm-hmm. Right, so, so, so we are hitting on what what some consider to be one of the benefits with uh, things like these SQLists, uh, these NoSQL solutions like Mongo, which is um, everything is a document. So, it, it, I mean, it's literally, if you think about it, 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 it's like a filing cabinet with paper in it. Every record is whatever's on that paper, whatever's in that document, whatever's in that object. So the idea is that it reads quicker, one of the challenges has always been, uh, so that's where the speed comes in, or, is reading it and, and being able to, to read all the data associated with a record because you're not doing a bunch of queer, queries. Well, that end that you um, get an object back. So even after reading, you don't have to build an object out of it. You get an, a, an entirely serialized object back. So there's no, none of the math that you would have done needs to be done again. It's just been done and sitting in the record. 
Right. So one of the, one of the challenges has always been, and one of the negatives, as I, I am to understand it, with these uh, solutions is uh, the data integrity and the rights. Like the rights are slower, and it's they they what, what was the name? What it used to be phrased to me, where it was like eventually or or eventual eventual integrity or something like that. Like eventually right. the data will have integrity, but it won't. It won't necessarily have data integrity when it's first written to the to the database, right? And uh, so I, I always, you know, again, that's always one of the things that that's kind of pointed out to as a negative. But uh, I put in our Trello board. I don't know if you saw this, Thomas. Um, I guess MongoDB, the the company. I guess the company. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they announced that. Uh, MongoDB 4.0 uh, was going to have um, acid. Acid it, it, compliance. It was going to basically, yeah, acid compliance, which is typically typically for relation, relational databases. Um, well, I acid think, just assures I, that transactions are numbered and are executed in the order that they occur. And that everything so within that just... transaction happens, otherwise it doesn't get committed, right? Mm. Right. That's, That's the big thing. That You can have that without being ACID compliant. Um, ACID just assures that, that the order of operations occurs in the, the way that it was sent into the system. It, it's processed the way it was sent in. So it's for monitoring things like uh, financial institutions. When you're transferring money... You can't, but I'm pretty sure John is. Down. I'm pretty sure John is right. Part of that compliance is is validating that the transaction completes com- fully, that yeah. it, not a partial transaction happens. So, as far as I know, and I could be wrong on this. Matter of fact, I think he even stated in the article. Uh, as far as I know, I think MongoDB is the only NoSQL ACID compliant solution. Um, I'm looking at the article again. I don't actually see that so i could be talking out my ass but uh mongodb is adding support for multiple document trans transactions making it the only database to combine the speed and flexibility and power of a document model with acid data integrity guarantees so yeah i i I grep that to mean the same thing what i just said which is they're they're the only no sql solution that's doing this so it it turns out the transaction of the stupid article the transaction piece is just one part of ACID compliance. Interesting. The power of the document model with ACID data integrity guarantees is what it says. That not transaction. Right. That that guarantee is all about is all about signing of each executed statement and assuring that that occurs in a timely manner, and then tying that to a transaction as part of its failure state, so that. Oh, I see. I see what you're reading, John. You're reading the next the next uh, paragraph. Transactions but, in MongoDB will feel just like transactions developers are familiar with from relational databases. No, I was reading the wiki on ACID compliance, and uh, it's the A of ACID, oh. which is the transaction piece. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, so the the there'll be a link in the show notes, but the the the, the article goes on to read that what a just read transactions and mongodb will feel just like transactions developers are familiar with from relational databases 
They will be multi-statements with similar syntax. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. What's the name of this? What's the title of this article? This is a MongoDB drops acid. So they're removing acid compliance <laughs> from. That is a stupid title for this. Uh... It's a great title if you're writing a Medium post, but if you're writing this for the official it, no, blog it's a, for the company, it's, it's a great title. That's just if you're releasing a CD. <laughs> uh, we work only in mixtapes here. That's a really stupid name for an article because I was reading this thing and thinking that's completely contra- con- contradictory to the title. They're dropping well, can we support, focus, but they're focus adding on support? what they're doing here. Yeah, I mean, okay, so so their marketing team dropped the ball on titling it, but do we think this is a do we think this is a big thing for MongoDB to do? Do we think it's going to add a lot of integrity to their model to their solution i i will say as somebody who's been looking into NoSQL solutions for a very long time um looked a lot into actually worked for a company that leveraged cake date uh couch db cake <laughs> uh couch db we looked at leveraging it on a on a client of ours uh, i got heavy into rethink uh db which I still think is a fantastic solution, but as somebody who's kind of been following this industry, Mongo has been the one that, from at least from a commercial perspective, is starting to forge the way for, for NoSQL solutions. So do we think this is going to add to their market value and get more people on board with using NoSQL solutions if they think, and, and is there a benefit if, if you're if you're if you're using the tool the same way you you would use a relational database, do we still think there there's a benefit to it being just a document store? I don't think there's a big. F- I think yeah. The the whole transaction piece is interesting in the fact that you're not necessarily using Mongo as a transactional database. You're just using it to make sure you can write two, three, four different documents, and they all are successful. And if one fails, they all fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't use transactions in my SQL unless I'm doing something very touchy. Yeah. Um, but most of my use cases are non-transactional, and I think this just adds a functionality to Mongo that was missing, and there's a, a market for that functionality. But for people who are already using it, um, this is just a, a sort of cherry on top. It doesn't really have a significant impact on us. See, I started using transactions a hell of a lot more lately. Uh, I remember it being a big thing when I was in college and I just didn't understand it completely. It wasn't on my radar. So, so I didn't really. So can, can you take, take a moment, let, let's take a moment and explain what a transaction is in a, a relational database. Can, can you do so that? So from my SQL, you basically, you when you start a series of, queries you say i'm going to start a transaction you do all your queries and then you either commit it or you roll it back so i use it in a in a few different ways i know there's a lot of people that say don't use the database in testing i'm sorry i have unit tests that use the database so i'll start a transaction create a bunch of data verify that my code works and then do a rollback so that's one nice aspect yeah, I do that of too. it i definitely do yeah. that so that's a nice aspect Create, create data, but it doesn't persist past my, my unit tests. The other nice part of it is for row-level locking. 
you have to start a transaction to to lock your your NODB rows, right? So I can start a transaction, query for data, and in that say for update. Now I'm the only one that can have access to that record until I release that transaction. So lots of a good use. You don't. Use it's the easy way. That transactions are the easy way to lock rows, but uh, you can't just call out a lock on a row if you want. You to. sure? How? Okay, but we're talking about transactions. Yeah. Well, we're talking about transactions. Well, I, I know. Maybe later. I, I, <laughs> the only way I know to lock a row is through a transaction. Um, I remember in in college, I just didn't quite understand it. I knew it was talked about and it was the thing to do. I just wasn't understanding why because I'm so used to the the quick. I query. I either select something or I write something. I never did things in in series where I cared if the entire like three or four or more tra- queries were successful or not. And I think I, the the best example that I have is if you have my ATM card and my wife's ATM card, and we want to withdraw the remaining funds from our bank account at the same time, mm-hmm. then a transaction simply makes sure that that can never right occur. but but i mean that's that's outside of the realm of realism for most of our most developers i'm working on a web page i don't really there's been very few cases in the past where i needed a transaction to make sure things didn't happen whether that was right or wrong i probably could have used them but i did not i have transactions for incrementing page clicks or uh, generating certain reports are done transactionally. And also, you have to remember that doing a transaction doesn't write to the index on the table until the transaction is closed. Mm -hmm. So if you have something that's doing a lot of writing to a highly indexed column, then doing it in a transaction will speed it up immensely, just absolutely huge amounts. So you can execute 1,000 queries that update records and then once you end the transaction, that whole column is re-indexed in one swipe instead of a thousand yeah, swipes. Yeah, so, so I do that when I'm doing a, a batch update. It's start a transaction, do a bunch of updates, do a commit. But that's one-off things. It's not in a web session or web like single script execution. I just start getting into the transactions for that scenario probably within the last couple of years where I really needed the, the row level locking was the big driving force. The unit test was another big piece. So that's just, that's well, with my, my level um, I think it's safe to say that with my company, I have a, a, a factor greater number of hits per second than, than anything that you guys are on. Mm. Would you say that's wrong? No, it's, it's, that's fair. And so when you're dealing with that environment, knowing that, a typo will literally produce a thousand parse errors sent to bug snag in one second. Then when you're writing some queries, it just strikes you that this might need to be in a transaction. Um, you know, when I got to a company doing this volume, the way I looked at how I was writing my SQL did change just because the volume is sort of always in the back of your head and you're thinking, could this be a race condition? Could this be... Uh, a blocking issue if users are hammering F5, or if our if our tra- if our traffic doubled, which is a feasible thing, 
to happen, then we could be looking at, you know, 10,000 hits in a minute or something. And you have to process that when you're looking at some of the data, like click counting and so how does, uh, but, rating a user. But how does that help you within a single transaction? Like, a, I hit your web page. Are you putting that into a job and then letting the job figure that out? Start a transaction and process four or five you know, thousand jobs at a time? One of the features we have on my system is that you can rate uh, people, we'll say. Give them uh, between one and five stars. Mm-hmm. And in that system, we write a record to a rating table overwriting any previous record for that user for that person and then we recalculate the new rating for the user and we write that to a column on their profile so it is a th- it is a three query process where we we write and then we read calculate and then write the results of the calculation and because our traffic is high enough the results of that calculation could be wrong if we were not doing it as a transaction and I don't know why they care about the accuracy of 500 people giving somebody a one through five star rating. I've brought it up before, but they want it to be accurate to the decimal. And so I have to write it as a transaction because you can easily have in my system 500 people at once rating the same person mm-hmm. very easily. And when you have that 500 people, three queries, that's 1,500 queries executing simultaneously. You want to make sure that they stack correctly so that your number is sane. We're on a completely separate topic, since you're talking about number of queries, I would love to know how many queries you're doing per second. If you, I don't know if you know that. Often. It's, it's not too bad. Um, our system is mostly a read-only system. Uh, so you're basically, how many queries do you have against a newspaper? Well, once you've printed it, then you cache it and then print based off the cache. Mm -hmm. So we have a very low query count, generally speaking. So one of our, but then you get into our search system and our search system pumps queries out by the hundreds of thousands. Okay. One of our, one of our clients just recently figured out what, what theirs was because we're trying to do a lot of optimization and the code is just bad it's asking the, the database the same question numerous times so caching needs to be implemented and they're doing i think 11,000 queries a second mm. <laughs> and yeah we're not doing that and they were they we use uh Procona a lot for you know debugging and and just general advice and they're like yeah that's way too high <laughs> You need to figure that out. <laughs> you need some optimization there, buddy. Yeah. So I'm looking at my so, API calls. Are, okay. Are we are we gonna keep no, talking go about ahead, this? Or Move on. You, no, you I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Going? Go on. Um, I I did something recently. I think John did it as well. And I've got to say, I, I'm noticing more of a difference than I thought I would with this. But Is it a colonoscopy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> recently uh john and i you know well not john well john and i i guess we have a weekly meetup that a, a weekly co-working uh day 
that people are welcome to come and work with us. Anybody from our user group is invited. Anybody from the development environment in San Diego is invited. Um, you know, we get people show up from time to time, but for the large majority of the group are Diego dev people because it's kind of also our opportunity to get, all get together and, and work uh, physically together. Um, and one of the developers was showing the whole uh, changing the, the 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 amber color of your screen as night came and as it got darker. And a flux. I know. Yeah, flux. I know my wife had been using it on her um, her Kindle for a while. And I was always looking at, her, at it thinking, man, that seems really distracting to me. Like, how do you look at it? And, and she, she would even say, well, actually, when you're reading, you don't even really notice it. And it's not until you kind of step back and look that you even realize it. Based on this, uh, this developer's kind of advice, you know, I went into the um, settings on, on the Apple systems that I have, and I, I enabled it. And essentially just told, said, hey, uh, at sunset, change the color of the, of the monitor so it was easier in the eyes. And I've got to say, it's it's making a difference. It, it is, it's definitely, like, I just realized that, that it had happened to my monitor. My monitor is in here, but had I not, like, kind of consciously looked at it, 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 the, like, the colors didn't seem faded at all when I was didn't wasn't paying attention Some, somebody told us about of course, no, that's all, all I flux years ago because i've been using it on my laptop and i guess now it's a standard part of osx called night shift so i i yeah. recently turned it on on my desktop because i just never bothered installing flux on here and again you just it's not so flux that, was a standalone app yeah it was something right yeah. is that yeah yeah i think that's what uh that's what the, our guys were telling yeah, us. Yeah, he well. was using that. So, now yeah. he's tried night shift, and I think he's using that now. Yeah. Well, the so it, the the research on blue light, which is the the light that Flux is blocking for nighttime use, has been very negative. Um, they're showing that that blue light from monitors and phones can just destroy your sleeping patterns, um, your mental state. Uh, a lot of stuff like seasonal affective disorder is affected really negatively by blue light from monitors. Um, and I actually, I think I brought up Flux a couple of years ago because I have a hardware solution. And I was told that my hardware solution was dumb and expensive because it was $70. But I have these beautiful gunner oh blue blockers, <laughs> these compute glasses, and... They are fashionable. <laughs> Blue blockers. That was the that was I, a big uh, infomercial back in the day. Well, well they've got yeah, it's called a blue blockers, right? Yeah. That's what they're yeah. called. Blue, Blue blockers. blockers. Yeah. yeah. So these are much more, much, much higher end than the blue blockers. But uh, I, it does. It is actually a big concern lately for a lot of ergonomics experts and uh, office space experts that the blue light spectrum is starting to cause some serious problems in mental health with people. Not fake news. It's all fake news. <laughs> World's flat. 
I, I, I was almost, I almost turned into one of these conspiracy theorists when I saw that Tesla in space. I'm like, that's not real. That's fake. Look at that thing. That's fake. It's not really flying around the earth. That's a fake. That's just a commercial. It is a little too but, convenient. The f- it is so clear. I mean, like, like the YouTube channel that was streaming it live. I'm sure it's still there. It's like, it's like properly lit and like such high definition. Like, nah, that's not real. That's fake. the fact that it's supposed to get out it to the is, same. It is gone. Now. The same orbit as Mars is amazing. Well, yeah, because they shot <laughs> oh, it yeah. around the sun, like you do. Hmm. <laughs> but it's going to come back to the Earth orbit and then back to Mars. I mean, not Earth orbit. No, but... no, it, they shot it around the sun into a Mars orbit. No, it's going to the 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 path it's going to take is at its apogee. It'll be on the Mars orbit line, and then. When it comes back around the other side, it's going to be on the Earth orbit line. It's called the Peregrine. Whatever. Shut up. Still. Clearly, still, you've never I, played I, Kerbal Space I can't, Program. I, I can't remember if it's Needle Haystack or Haystack Needle. These guys are sitting cars <laughs> around planets. I, it, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating to me. Now, this is interesting, though, because a lot of the older tech pioneers are very upset about this. Have you heard? Have you have you heard of anybody being upset about it being a Tesla? No. No. We circled back around to this story. I'm sorry. There, that's my yeah, fault. Yeah, There is, there is a very famous picture and quote from our dear Carl Sagan that says, "Do not forget, no billboards in space," and there are people who are concerned that this sets a precedence for marketing by launching junk into space. And I'm inclined to agree with them, even though it's super cool. The guy has spent billions of dollars on a space program that that nobody else is willing to fund. But wouldn't it be better if it was just a giant sign that said, this is a metaphor for my penis? I think you're going negative with this. I I don't... don't... (laughs) I, 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 I don't do that. Saying, and uh, but I don't I don't know. I, I thought it was cute. I thought some of the Easter eggs they put in it, like on the circuit boards where it says "Made on Earth by Humans" and things like that, were were, were cute. I mean, we've sent other things in space. We've sent music into space, and yeah, you know, if if it becomes a problem, you know, if Mark from Facebook launches a big Facebook sign into orbit, we can talk about it. But this guy paid for the rocket rocket did the science on the rocket had, you know shot the rocket up into the air it it wasn't cheap yeah there was there was there was there was scientific significance behind what he was doing as far as heavy cargo so what else was he going to launch up there dumpster get yeah, the guy some slack kind of loud. well I, I wouldn't go right, so I'm far not, and i don't think cheap, though. i don't think you're I'm, advertising tesla to to aliens, <laughs> I mean, no, he's advertising it to us. Well, he's already advertising yeah, by an unreleased the, the, sports car. The, the, the whole SpaceX the whole program. SpaceX program was, was a was a fancy marketing tool that they decided to implement over at Tesla. That that was the whole that was the whole motivation behind SpaceX yeah. from the beginning. The man's a genius, yeah. a marketing I genius ask as well. Question: I really want to get you guys off this on. topic because. Let me ask a question, because this is a question I, I ask myself all the time. What resources do you guys do 
do you guys use to stay current with our industry? Like your development practices or, you know, standards or do you guys have like, you know, a, a locate something you go to, something you use that to kind of help you with your skill set, to help you stay current with stuff. I, I get asked this a lot. How do I, with so much information out there, how come, how, how, how do I manage to stay plugged in and, and, you know, kind of up this, up to speed on a lot of things that I, are going on? I go to Wave PHP. So I'm curious what yours is. Wave PHP does it for me Wave every PHP. time. Every year. It hasn't failed you yet. It has huh? not failed me yet. <laughs> every year. Good answer. I would like to thank our All sponsor, right. Wave PHP. <laughs> Meetups and conferences. I mean, that's the the big one right there. Meetups and conferences. Okay. And then from from Meetups the conferences, conferences specifically and the meetups, you're gonna learn you're gonna learn of the people in the community that tweet a lot, follow them on Twitter, and and learn from things they're saying. Okay. Good answer. Good answer all around, Thomas. Huh. Well, I feel like an old man because I have an RSS reader. Stole my thunder, man. <laughs> yeah. So I I subscribe to a lot of different bloggers, tweets. I the the vitriol coming out of Twitter right now, just the, the people that you respect fighting amongst each other and losing respect for people. It's such an annoyance to me. I I try to stay away from tech on Twitter. Uh, but I do subscribe to certain publishers on Medium, um, people like Grumpy Programmer. I have his blog subscribed. Um, uh, Rasmus Lairdorf, uh, he has his Rasmus's Toys blog. So, so uh, you, you sound like 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 me. You you still depend pretty heavily on curate a curated list of resources, blogs, what have you, that you consume through RSS feeds, huh? Yeah, and I continually prune it and and manage it. Uh, yeah. People get stale, you know. Creators, there are creators out there who are not bloggers, and they will write something inspiring and amazing, and you add their blog, and continue along with it for a little bit. But then it turns out that that's just the best thing they've ever done, and now they're back to work with their normal day job. So you do mm -hmm. have to you do have to manage it a little bit. Um, and I also have a, a, a timeout system where. If something sounds interesting, I uh, middle-click it with my mouse and leave it as a tab on my browser. And if I come back to it and read it within a day or two, then I've I've taken it in. But if I keep seeing it and saying, nah, later and later, later, then after a couple days, I'll make sure it just gets dropped off the map. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, interest in other technologies, interest in cryptocurrency, interest in JavaScript, React, Vue. Uh, I've been looking a lot at Node lately and... Uh, Rust, Golang, things like that. It's just, there are, I was reading a post on Reddit today about PHP, what PHP brings to the table that's special, that's unique, that is better than all the other languages. And the the end result of, of hundreds of comments was, uh, at this point, nothing. Uh, all of these languages are fairly mature at this point. They all bring different strengths and weaknesses. Uh, if PHP is your language, you use PHP. If it's not your language or if you have a different idea for this thing, then you just use the different thing. You don't fret about it. Um, mm -hmm. uh, its big strength is that it has this large embedded population that uses it, but that's starting to shift as well with languages like Node and and theoretically ASP, but it's dead. 
Uh, and so when I look at tutorials for Rust and they're showing me something completely new and amazing, then I think, how does this apply to PHP, my, da my daily working job? That's how I advance my PHP abilities, is by learning something other than PHP at this point. Mm -hmm. how, does, how does PHP deal with this problem that I never thought was a problem? Or mm -hmm. what, why is this a blocker? Um, and Reddit provides a lot of stuff for me, too. Uh, okay. There is a somewhat of an active PHP community on Reddit, usually mm -hmm. just defending themselves, being made fun of by other language subreddits. <laughs> Um, but I, I did see one of the things I saw this week was uh, true to win, return true to win, which is a, a short PHP game that takes sort of the worst behaviors of PHP and asks you to figure out what the hell's happening. Um, and my my favorite one, the simplest one that I've seen on this site, I think is number four. Uh, nope. So it's a simple question. It says strlen of x equals 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 integer four. So what can you what do you have to pass in to string length to return the number four? That's funny. That's the last one I and saw before I gave. I stopped playing it. That's an easy one, right? Because you just one two three four, and that returns the number four, because there's four characters, so it returns the number four, it counts the characters and returns it. But one of the features of the site is that it says, your best score. So if you type in four characters, your best score is four. The absolute best score possible is one character to return the number four from string length. Really? Yes. It's amazing. If you pull right, up, listen, Ooh, listen. I'm gonna post something in Slack. You guys, you guys, tell me if you've seen this or not, or not, and if we should even bother talking about it. But I think it's pretty classic. Have Have you guys uh, read that that yes. uh, story about the naked PHP developers? Yes. Well, let me let me finish this real quick. Let me finish this real quick. Okay. So, if you paste the eggplant emoji into string length in PHP, it will return the number four huh. because when you dig into the PHP documentation, it turns out that string length doesn't count characters. It is a Unicode. It is a byte counter. So if you have a Unicode character that is four bytes in length, but it's only one character, then it will return saying it's got four characters. Fascinating. So that's, that's the kind of stuff that's in this 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 website. That's it's return true dot win, and it's absolutely funny and tragic at the same time. But there are some when you see what these shortest possible answers are in some of these cases, you just won't believe that that's what it is. When I tried, I got an error. It's so mystifying. Use of undefined constant. <laughs> Uh, was it an error or a notice? Notice. So a, a notice, it will just... Uh, oh, I got... I steamroll over. I had to put quotes around it. Put quotes around it, you're good to go. You should be. 
you should be able to just submit the Unicode. So yeah, I, if you just paste the Unicode, it will still return true. So it'll still return the number four, but it will also throw a notice about an undefined constant. Also, there's a difference between single quotes and double quotes. Single quotes works perfectly. A significant difference. Double quotes gives you a parse error. Double quotes are also much, much slower in PHP. Yeah. Like half the speed. Anyway. All right, Eric. I'm done I'm done bashing on PHP on our PHP podcast. <laughs> so did did you guys uh John, did you see this article about uh the naked PHP developers? I did not. Or warriors. Naked PHP warriors. I, I I'm going to give you the, the, the cliff notes of it. We'll post the whole article uh to the show. But it it was a great it was a great article about a guy trying to explain the difference between kind of PHP developers and how they're viewed in the world by other other groups. I think the ones he points out here are Ruby and uh, it might have been Python, might have been the other one. Um, but basically, you know, I don't know. I, I don't even. I, I don't want to give away too much of the story, but essentially, what he what it talks about is how he, he does it in the context of, of warriors of like ancient warriors and how the PHP warriors, they learn life by wrestling and fighting and they're naked and they wrestle and fight. And it, it's not until much later in life, like after wrestling around naked, uh, for five, six years, do they start to use tools that, that make them, better warriors so eventually the php warrior gets gets the shield gets the sword they become true warriors whereas these other platforms they start their developers off with these tools these these warrior tools and so you know the 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 kind of scenario it runs through is you know all these all these factions all go to war and the PHP warriors are actually off on the hill, kind of surveying the battlefield, trying to figure out where they want to go, while the, the like the Ruby warriors are down in battle, and they see these naked <laughs> naked PHP warriors come running out and think that that's representative representative of all PHP developers. It's just it's just a good read. I mean, I appreciated it. I, I I got what they were saying. I thought I thought he put a pretty funny spin on it, but it, it it's very true. It's our our platform probably more than any other platform is just littered with um, you know people learning how to do it and people self teaching and people learning bad habits and you know not necessarily going through the grind of being a full time developer who you know, has a reason to get better. Um, and, well, I, and PHP is... Hmm? I can't tell you the number of times I've been at a bar and somebody says, oh, I'm a PHP developer too, because, you know, I've got my SDPHP shirt on all the time. They say, oh, I'm a PHP developer too. And I say, yeah, what do you work with? And they say, WordPress. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, you that's, use that's PHP. Common. Yeah. Yeah, you use yeah. PHP, but you're not a PHP developer at that point. You're a user. 
I mean, let's say develop WordPress, but normally that's what they would say. But yeah, it's it's it, yeah. I, th I think we we all have you know had to put up with the harassing from our friends and colleagues of other platforms and had to defend PHP and and our choices to develop in PHP to some level to you know a manager or something. So I, I'm used to this and. I just thought this this did a really good job at kind of capturing the the reality of it. It's like, yeah, no, it, a, a good developer is a good developer. A bad developer is a bad developer. Whether they code PHP or code in another language, uh, you know, they, there's good developers, bad developers everywhere. But I thought it was fun. If you haven't read this, John, give it a read. I think you, I think you'll appreciate yeah, I, it. Yeah, I was looking over it as you were talking about it. Yeah. Good. Yeah, and and I think the key to the key to PHP, if you're in that situation where you feel like you have to defend it, is to know what the arguments are, and know what the defenses against it are, because there are so many references to PHP four as to why PHP is bad. And we're that's so far past that at this point. Right. It's funny. I, I I can't remember what his Twitter handle is. Do you remember what the Twitter handle is? For Anthony, for the secu big security guy in PHP, IRC Anthony... Maxo. All right, that's him, IRC Max. Anthony Ferreira. Yeah. yeah, he just posted. I I don't know I don't know the story behind it all. I just I just saw him come by in a tweet that he he just got PHP shamed. Um, I thought it was him. Maybe it wasn't him. I don't see the I don't see the tweet now. Uh, yeah, somebody, it was him. He said, "I got being... I got PHP shame today at a cross-discipline meetup for an industry popular community of developers focused on knowledge sharing. It's been a long time since I've been shamed like that, and it really makes me appreciate the PHP community more. We're not perfect, but we're here." Yeah, I think we're better than a lot of communities. Hell, we've okay. got Wave PHP. What do they have? <laughs> That's right, man. That's right. We PHP. I, I tell you, I, I was shocked. Um, you know, we've talked about Jeffrey Way in the past. Um, he's big in the Laravel community. Uh, probably the hands down leader of of teaching Laravel. <clears throat> you know, he has Laracast uh, website. Uh, really well respected as far as in the especially in the Laravel community. Um, he has uh, a podcast he does called uh, Laravel Snippets. Laravel Snippets. I don't know. I don't know why he calls it Laravel Snippets because it's not Laravel. They're short. Specific. They're five minutes. Yeah. yeah, but it's not specific to Laravel. I don't know why he calls it Laravel because it's just him kind of talking about whatever is on his mind, which I think yeah, is great. Yeah. It's a great talk. But I realized that I have a lot of opposing viewpoints with Jeffrey Way. And I've known this for some time. So the first time it became obvious um, with me was uh, we were at um, one of the Laracons. And uh, holy crap, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, new friend of the show um, called us out about the kids. Um, who was Ted that? Nugent. No, not Ted Nugent. Oh, Matt. Uh... No, not Matt. Big, big deal. Um Holy crap! I can't believe I can't I can't remember his name. Matt Lance. Nope, not Matt Lance. I said he was a big deal. 
God, Ben Hall. No, come on. You, you like I'm this guy, I'm just looking Paul. at everyone who's added us. Not Paul Allen. Um, God bless America. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Paul... Paul Schaefer. Paul Jones. The Paul Schaefer, everybody. Paul Jones. Yep. Jones. Paul Jones. Paul Jones. Jones. Good God, I'm a fan of the guy, and I can't remember his freaking name. Anyways, I I thought Paul, uh, at Laracon one year, I I forget what year it was. It it was in Louisville one of the the times. Um, Did a great talk. Uh, And, I mean, to to, to summarize a lot of it, at, at, at the end of the talk, you know, he was kind of, he was kind of hinting around the fact of there's a lot of new people learning PHP and that's great. Frameworks like Laravel really spikes that interest, but that there are people who have been doing this for a very long time and there are certain battle scars we have and certain things we've learned. And there are things that we're implementing to, to help kind of, guide the new people that are learning. And he was referring to the fact that there's PSRs now and and a lot of this was coming from experience. And I thought I'm like, yeah, that's a very, very reasonable statement to make. And and he was actually the person to make it because he's, you know, kind of been on, on that forefront. He's one of the people who who, you know, spearheaded PSRs. And so I thought, you know, I, I was appreciating what he was saying. And uh, Jeffrey Way kind of started to challenge him on it. Like, yeah, but is it really that important? I mean, isn't it more important that people just start doing? I mean, that's always that's always Jeffrey Way's thing is just start doing. Yeah, I remember and this the, conversation. The thing Paul kept trying to say is, well, yes, we want to make sure you, you do it. You, you just start doing, but isn't it better if you just start doing it right? Like, learn from other people's mistakes. And so I I remember thinking to myself, you know, first thing, I thought it was kind of, I don't know, I, I thought it was aggressive for Jeffrey Wade, because Jeffrey Wade, he, he wouldn't let it go. I mean, he kept challenging Paul on, the, on yeah. these points. And it went on for a while, and I, I remember thinking to myself, you know, he really kind of needs lets this, be, let this go, because he, he made a very good point. He's the presenter. He's the one up there. You know, let him have the last word and just let it be. So I, I realized at that point, it's like, you know, I don't really see eye to eye on all the philosophies of, of Jeffrey Way. And then I was listening to his latest Laravel snippet, and yeah, I've been called out about this in the past when I, I talked about, I was, I was on a podcast, and not this one, but one that actually matters, and somebody <laughs> asked, you know, what we look for in a developer when we bring people on. And I'm like, I look for... People are passionate about the industry. And I was called out a little bit on it because they had interpreted of people who code all the time, like 12 hours a day, 14 hours a day on the weekends. Like, and, you know, what they said is, well, I like to have people who go outside, you know, who enjoy their family, who go outside. I'm like, well, I'm not saying not that, but we look for people who, if they're not coding, they're engaged on some level. They're engaged with their community. They're engaged with, you know, some aspect. Like, they're, it's not just their job. They don't just do it to get paid. And when they're not getting paid, they're not doing it. They, they just have this kind of desire to continue to learn. And, you know, I brought up meetups, obviously, because meetups are a big deal for myself. I, I think they're a big deal for John as well. And, and we see them as a pretty big part of the php community 
people benefit from meetups, but I don't think the people who benefit from meetups realize how much other people benefit from their involvement. And it's always like these little conversations that happen at, at a meetup, these casual conversations that people will just, you know, grip the, this, all this information that it's just that community aspect of it. And I, I always thought that that was good. I never require, like, we don't require our Diego dev people to go to meetups. Um, and, you know, we joke around a little bit, but we don't, we don't technically we don't, require them. We don't shame them if they don't go. <laughs> the only person I probably you shame, don't. the only person I probably shame for not going to the meetups would be John. John's probably missed more meetups than anybody else in Diego dev. But that's that's a whole nother topic. I get a pass. But this latest, crying out loud. This latest uh, Laravel snippet, uh, kind of Jeffrey Way is kind of pooing away. Like he's like, yeah, hey, you know, you don't need to go to meetups. You don't need to. It's, it's not that important. It's like yeah, if 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 meetups aren't your thing, then don't do them. You know, if you don't want to do anything after you code, don't do anything after you code. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, okay, that's not helpful for building communities and, and keeping things strong by any means and you know i i think he's well intended I, I i think what he what what i try to take away from it is that it doesn't have to be your life it's not an all or nothing like if you're a php developer it's not your entire existence or nothing that you can do other things but just like the way he words things sometimes it's just like don't encourage people not to go to meetups like if if you want to say you don't attend meetups or you you, know, you don't find them that important, that's fine. But don't don't especially somebody as inf- I think the biggest thing is he's so influential. Like there's there's a good amount of people in the Laravel community, especially who if Jeffrey Way says to do something, they do it. You know, and, well, and, and rightfully so, rightfully so, because he is incredibly smart, and I think. What he deals with is the opposite of what we call imposter syndrome. I think he is he is very assured of his intelligence, and when he sees something and likes it, then it becomes the way to do it, and he starts telling the the following masses that this is how you do it now, because I saw it and this is how you do it. And I think that's how Vue took off in the Laravel community, because he did a series on Vue, and it just became the de facto way of doing it. it. It's a, I think with him and Taylor, there's definitely an echo chamber going on where the, the old guard has a lot to say about being cautious and over exaggerating accomplishments. And they take it very personally. I mean, we talked about Anthony Ferreira, Anthony Ferreira earlier Anthony Ferreira is blocked by Taylor because of a conflict they had over testing methodologies. So somebody that we consider one of the great experts in the PHP community is just banned from Taylor's chain of thought. And that that echo chamber is one of the things I think is really hurting Laravel right now, is that the new idea gets put in their head, implemented on the system pushed out to production and there aren't a lot of checks and balances because they don't like the old guard. They don't like the people who've been doing this for 30 years or yeah. 20 I, years. I, 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 I don't agree with everything you said. Um, mainly Jeffrey, Jeffrey way will be one of the first ones to call himself out for saying, 
oh yeah, remember last year how I told you this was the best way? Well, I didn't really know what I was talking about. Now, and, and this is why you should never, and this is why you should never listen to anybody that tells you what the best way is. And I, I'm, I'm kind of like, but, but I do, I, I, I think you're, you're, you're right on with the whole old guard thing and, and disagreeing with the old guard. But, um, in, in where I can appreciate what he's saying, as far as. Oh yeah, remember how this was? This was the best way to do it. Well, no, it's not, and and that's why you should never fo- follow the what the best way is. Just do what feels right. I'm like, no, 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 no. That was the standard because that's what everybody agreed was the standard, and it was the best way at that time to do it. You didn't have to do it that way, but it made sense. And if you wanted to be more compatible down the, down the line, yes, standards change. Yes. They're, they're, they're forever morphing. It's not the commandments. They're not etched in stone. They, they're, uh, they're constantly mo- you're changing and modifying because they're getting better because we're getting better as developers. So don't poo poo them off. Don't say that they, you know, they're not worth following or you shouldn't, you shouldn't you know, worry yourself about it. You should, especially if you want to be a good PHP developer. You very much should worry yourself about it. You should at least be current with what they are. Even if you choose not to follow them, have a good reason not to follow them. But know what they are. Well, and, and I think that there's that's the catch-22 of being as intelligent as Jeffrey Way is, is that your gut reaction is right more often than not. So when you, when you say something... When you make a, a proclamation to the masses, this is how you do things, and then everyone just starts cheering and saying, this is amazing, then your next, your next thought to yourself is, hey, go with your gut, because it's never wrong. There's plenty of people out there whose, whose gut instinct is, by default, wrong, not right. And those yeah. are the people that you have to teach to. You have to teach to the people that, that aren't as smart as you. And and that's I think that's where he misses. But that's where I think the Larry Cass snippet is important to listen to because he does address that concern. Mm-hmm. He does say, "I know how I feel about this, and I'm constantly conflicted about how it is presented to other people." And and it's important to understand where he's writing his sort of guides from because he he has to write in a definitive manner. He has to say, "When you're doing something, this is how you do it," because he's teaching. He's giving instruction. Um, but the Laracast snippet is an insight into what the teacher is thinking when he's saying in an absolute tone, this is how you do it. He's also thinking to himself, but maybe it isn't. I still want to keep learning. Yeah. I know as somebody who feels very passionate about community and who's put a lot of work in helping build communities, including a community specifically for Laravel. Yeah. I just feel like it's, yeah, I'm to, to have key people in the community kind of, and I have called other people out in the Laravel community about not, not putting enough emphasis on community. So we've gone down this path before. I guess I'm doing it again with this Jeffrey This is an Way, old but... hat for us. <laughs> but, you know, when you get somebody like that who, who, you know, you're not, not only are you not acknowledging it, but you're, you're kind of flipping the script and saying, yeah, no, don't worry about it. You know, for people like me, it's like, well, fuck. Okay, then fuck you. <laughs> I think that's the root of a lot of our, our gripes about the Laravel community and the Laravel leaders is that that they are not 
in many instances acting like leaders. There are a lot of instances of pettiness I, I, that you want I, to. I swear to God, there's a there, Laravel community is one of the strongest communities uh, in PHP, and I and I think it's in spite of the leaders of of the platform. Um, not in spite, but not you know it, it's. It amazes me that there's such a strong bond in the Laravel community with, with within PHP. I I don't know. I, I don't I don't know how to word that. I, I I don't think they there's a lot of support for it, but it continues to grow, and I think that's good. I mean, there there are people out there. I mean, there's you know there there are people out there who do Laravel specific podcasts, and and who you know people not like myself anymore, but other people who who run you know Laravel specific meetups and run Slack channels you know specific to Laravel and yeah there are a lot of people out there doing a lot of hard work to to make the community grow and yeah it's it's just I I don't think it I don't think it's a good thing that and there was no reason for Jeffrey Wade to 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 do that I appreciate the fact that he has that podcast and I appreciate the fact that he's very unfiltered and just like you said saying what's on his mind talk talking his true feelings but to hear that it's just kind of like oh god damn it okay well you know, there, there's no reason to subscribe to laircast.com either I guess because you know you know why why subscribe to things like that we can get them on YouTube for free yeah, it's so just, that's it, that's don't say Laracast and PHP Ugly is that Laracast is very definitive, and on PHP Ugly we just say to each other, "I don't know if that's the right way to deal with things." I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe do it that way. Maybe don't. I don't know. Yeah. Don't yell at me yeah. on Twitter again. <laughs> don't, don't block me, please. Uh, uh, I don't know. I should, uh, can I, you check if you're blocked? Won't. I'm sure those are. Uh, I don't. Are Are you talking about uh, from Taylor? Yeah, I wonder. Uh, actually, the last time I checked, he he started following me again, so that he could IM me. Um, so let me see if he's still following me. <laughs> All right, while you do that, um, guys, we're at an hour and a half already. He still follows me. An hour and a half. All right, halfway through the podcast, guys. Time for crypto talk. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're going to save it for next week. Yes. I think that that makes a lot of sense. We've rambled All long right, guys. Enough. Well, I think this has been a I think this has been a fantastic episode. Episode 95 PHP Ugly. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Tom Rideout. I'm John Conkin. Yeah, I'm Eric Van Johnson. Keep, Keep it up. <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly and thanks to our sponsor the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Show notes can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at PHP Ugly. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or directly off the PHP Ugly RSS feed. A rating of five stars on iTunes is appreciated. Submit articles to phpugly at reddit.com slash r slash phpugly. Until next week, keep it ugly.